Hello and welcome to the first online recording of Dare to Share. This episode is named Movement as Therapy. We have a guest speaker who will introduce shortly. Before we start listening to the podcast, I would like to make a short note. Namely that we were stopped two times while recording because we had some technical problems with the recording service that we used. So there are a few pieces missing due to the transition, but we try to pick it back up where we left off. That being said, I hope you will enjoy this episode. Okay, guys, welcome to Dare to Share, episode number four. And we have our first guest to welcome. But first, I'm going to keep the suspense and introduce you to my co-host. My name is Cus. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this first uh, first guest uh, episode. Very curious what the new dynamic will bring with the three of us. Exactly. Well, my name is Nita, and uh, today I have the delight of introducing you a friend who I've known for a really, really long time. Nita was just a little kid, about six or seven years old, and then we became friends around 11 and 12 years old. So we still are really good friends, actually. Uh, so it's a special delight for me to introduce you to my friend Icaro Palazzo Garcia. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to uh, be your first uh, invite for you guys, and especially in this uh, kind of uh, rare times with Corona and the technical stuff <laughs> and everything and everything. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm really honored and. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Nice. Welcome. Let me first start off by uh, why I uh, invited Igoro to this podcast. A long time ago, when we were about 14 years old, I remember us uh, having uh, actually our first internship. And then we got one at the Vibra. Well, if there's ever a place to go, you know how cheap they are, right? With clothes and stuff. Well, the only reason they can be so cheap is they make their employees work like slaves and their interns even harder. So oh. I remember like being slaved down, literally being forced to clean the store a third time after we've already cleaned it twice, just because we had nothing anymore uh, to do. Uh, and in those times we needed to fill the time with something. So we started our first philosophy conversations, 14 years old, you know, being so bored that we were philosophizing all the way out of Europe into things that are happening in China and all around the world, everything to get away as far away from the vibra as possible in our mental state. Um, so then the conversation started and uh, I'm inviting him uh, here today uh, because his unique, unique take on, on philosophy and on, on movement as well. I think Ikro and Kas both have unique views on movement. And so that's why today I want to introduce uh, the subject, which will be movement as therapy. Um, so I, I'd like to start off by asking first our, our guest, what does movement mean to you? Well, at first, thank you for the nice introduction. Uh, it really make uh, <laughs> the anecdote really made, uh, made me think about movement as well because uh we were in uh, the vibrate we were there like categorizing i don't know like lady panties we wanted to get away from that horrible situation and that's 
literally what I practice in movement as well. If you put the body in like an uncomfortable position, you have to find a way to yeah, just enjoy it somehow or relax or just how to move with it, you know, literally move with it. And it's also a philosophy, you know, it's like the Tao philosophy of China, but it's also, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like life. What's if life's giving you shit, you just have to, I don't know, make something out of it, you know? Indeed. And, and could you explain a little bit more because you mentioned Taoism in your sentence, historically, would you maybe go into that? What that means and what it means to you? Yeah, oh, that's a big question. And uh, what it means for me is, I did like a minor philosophy on my uh, in my bachelor degree. I really wanted to study Eastern philosophy, but I didn't do any on Eastern philosophy because we're in the West and we have like Nietzsche and I don't know, the Greeks and I don't know. It's like Western philosophy all the way. And, but I was really, really, I really, really like Eastern philosophy. So you really, yeah, that's like Buddha, but also like the Hindus and also Taoism, but also, I don't know, Zen. It's like everything. And the thing what I like about Eastern philosophy and also with Taoism, Taoism like the, the whole Eastern culture is like integrated in their lives, like their medical care, their philosophy, their art, their way of thinking, their way of writing, their alphabet, everything is like linked together. And also the martial art, also movement is linked in the philosophy, but it's also linked in the arts. It's also seen as a way of expressing yourself. It's seen as a way of to work with emotions. It's it's so beautiful. I, I like it a lot because here you have like, oh, you have one philosopher, Nietzsche, and you have one great mover, and that's, I don't know, Usain Bolt. But Usain Bolt is not a philosopher or something, you know? Like, it's, he's not seen as a philosopher. I don't know what you said there. Yeah, so I said uh, in the West, people are specialized, but not integrated. And yeah, in the they're, East, they're... it's more integrated as far as I hear from you yeah what you and it's it's see. like integrated like in a really early stage of humanity like in i don't know in the early 600s or something like like really early and we are now specialists and we are not generalists and there is one mover and that's uh ido portal is like now really a famous uh strong guy and he's created a movement around the world and he generalizes every movement aspects. So he generalizes dancers, martial artists, I don't know, uh, like gymnasts, uh, every sport you can think of, he just takes the core of it and he uses it in his movement philosophy thing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he teaches it. He, he just takes it and generalizes it and makes it uh, like for everybody accessible and it's just really beautiful and i think that's the yeah the eastern people we can learn from that from the west and that's what what i missed in high school and in my life like in in an early age like you're a good kickboxer and that was what what we were doing right like i i've been born and raised in the ghetto of amsterdam 
like the Belmer, like southeast of Amsterdam. There are a lot of like foreign people, like immigrants, and I don't know. And I was beat up one time when I was younger, like nine years old, and I had like a lot of Pokemon cards, and they were they <laughs> people stole it from me. It was like really a sad, sad story. But then I got really scared to go outside on on the streets, and I wanted to learn something to protect myself. And then I got into martial arts. And when I was with Nitai and we found out that the internet gives you everything, <laughs> we were like Google searching everything, what you can think of. But we were also, we were not that dumb or like, <laughs> we were like thinking, yeah, if you do boxing, then you have a kickboxer. A kickboxer can kick and box. So he will like outgame the, the boxer. At this point, we were shortly interrupted, but Ikro went on saying that the kickboxer would be beaten by the Muay Thai fighter because the Muay Thai fighter could also use his elbows and the Muay Thai fighter would be beaten by another martial artist who could also uh, do other things that were not allowed in Muay Thai and so on. And that he was searching for a martial arts, a form of movement and self-defense where everything was allowed and there was no unnecessary restrictions on what you could use. Um, so Ika was just telling us about how we were searching for the ultimate martial art. We stumbled upon Sistema, the Russian martial art. So please tell us more, Ikaro. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was uh, telling that uh, I kind of hate the, the, the label that it's given, like a Russian martial art, because I don't see it as a martial art. Uh, for me, I knew immediately when I take my first, took my first class when I was 18 years old in Amsterdam. Uh, yeah, I knew this like a different way of life, you know, this like more than, yeah, than, than something you practice or something, you know, you, you take it home with you and it's really, uh, I think it's different than other martial arts because it's now maybe not different, but it's really personal. They're really like fear uh, and ego and your own, yeah, your own stress and anxieties uh, and also uh, traumas and stuff. That's really a, a thing there. That's really what you're training you train to how to get flexible with it you know what i said said in the beginning how to enjoy it somehow because everyone is a mess inside i think like you know like, like we're all just baggages of bones flesh and blood and we're a mess and we have like nasty stuff sometimes and <laughs> uh, yeah but we just have to enjoy ourselves somehow we 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 did crazy Maybe you didn't have a nice life and like experienced a lot of shit in your life or maybe from your parents or I don't know. And yeah, you, if, if you have like a one-on-one -on -one confrontation with someone and you're risking your life, then the fears come up. That kind of fears you put away a long time ago, you know, like, if you don't work on it and you don't let it be or give it a, uh, I don't know, give it a nice, uh, 
yeah, give it a good place in your body, then it will hunt you kind of in that situation. It will come up someday and it will be uh, uh, in your, I don't know, in your, uh, it will not be in your advantage then. And that's what we're training in Systema. And that's what I like it. I liked about it a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So would it be really? Would it be accurate to say that um, in your perception of Systema, it has kind of an integrated psychotherapy inside of it as well? So you're working yeah. with, yeah, whatever you went through, your personal history, um, and it teaches you how to deal also with the difficult parts of life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's also, um, it's making you really strong. Uh, but not strong in a bodybuilder kind of way, but really strong in a health kind of way, like endurance. We focus a lot on that. So it's also uh, really technical because you study the body and you really look at skeletons and stuff and you work with people a lot, but it's also the fear. So you have like the psyche and you have like the outer physical body and that, and the, yeah, I don't know how, how they, meat of course <laughs> yeah great man some good info over there so i would love to share some uh, of my own knowledge of systema because yeah we, we actually got into this uh, together at least viewing the video Ikaro yeah. really went after it, really started doing it and i applaud him because it seems to be a great decision for him uh, but a bit of the context around systema so after the second world war uh the russian special service thought it was time for an upgrade in hand-to-hand -hand combat of their special forces. So what they did is they had these instructors and they sent them out throughout the world to train in every big, famous, uh, uh, and even more obscure, but, but also really effective martial art. And, mm -hmm. and after doing that for a couple of years, they came together and they designed an integrated system with, uh, uh, you know, all the, all this knowledge combined. And one of the things they do is they actually, uh, they try, at least that's the thing that I noticed when I first saw a video of Systema. In lots of martial art, a lot of force is used uh, to beat your enemy. And then you have other martial arts where you actually basically use the force that your enemy projects on you against him. So there's different types of how uh, martial arts deal with energy. But the thing that took me from Systema was that uh, they actually try to use as little energy as possible to still uh, beat their opponent. And one thing that Ikero once told me that was really cool uh, was that actually a, a Systema instructor, by reading uh, the way you move and by reading, you know, your body can actually tries to see, uh, you know, past traumas that you may have had. So, for example, uh, maybe you've had something fall on your shoulder in a certain way. And this makes, you know, move in a way that you always protect the shoulder a bit more. And a system instructor can, if he's really good, of course, maybe see this and then move in a way that will make you actually make that trauma come up and make that actually beat you, which I thought was really, really cool. You have like this psychological aspect to it. And you also have this physics aspect to it, basically using as little energy as possible and exactly the right amount in the right way uh, to beat your opponent. And this, this, this culminates in 
you know, videos of people getting beat up where you look at the other guy and you're basically like, did, did he really do anything? It looks like he did zero effort and still he beat this guy completely, which was, of course, to us as 14-year-old kids, really cool. Because what, what is cooler than walking up to a guy and beating him while expending almost zero effort? Looks like you're amazingly strong then, right? So that was really interesting to us, uh, basically, and the idea of being able to beat someone without even trying and looking yeah. really cool yeah. because of it. Um, but apparently it goes way, way, way deeper than that. Anyway, that, that's some of the context that I got from it. Uh, what I would love to do now is ask Kaz uh, the same questions uh, that I asked Ikero. And then from there, we just see what comes up. So Kaz, could you explain a little bit what's what what does movement mean to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I will first start a bit with um, and sharing also a bit about my history with movement, uh, how I got into that. Because um, you said I got into it via martial arts, but that's not really that's that's way more recent actually. Before that, I uh, played rugby for for ten years since I was I think eleven um, until I was uh, was twenty or something like that. Yeah, that was really a huge, huge passion of mine. And I um, I really connected very much with my body during these 10 years. Um, and well, as you said, Ikro, that Sistema is not, um, you, it, it, it's, it's not just the martial arts, but it's a way of life. Um, I, I would say that actually about many sports and martial arts and any kind of movement uh, practices that you do, that I think when you really engage in them, they change you and you they um, they influence you every moment of your life. And I think rugby also really did that for me. Um, so like I, I used to be really quite small, especially compared to the rest of my rugby team. Uh, a lot of the guys were like a head taller than me. Um, I remember my dad, um, when I first started started playing and it was on the first couple of trainings, I actually started training with um, with kids that were like one or two years under my age. And <laughs> that, that seemed to be like, oh yeah, that, that kind of matches like uh, size-wise. And then the trainers said like, oh yeah, actually, oh, you're so old, then actually you need to train with these guys. And some of them were really like, like I know this much, this much taller than me, and like um, quite broad shouldered and everything and muscular. Um, and then I just, yeah, to go and train with them. Um, and one of the things that that taught me was um, some yeah, a lot of a lot of resi resilience, I think. Um, so, um, or, or pers perseverance is, is more accurate. So by um, by just doing it and trying things out and just daring, um, I got better at it and I learned also how that I could bring down guys that were um, were twice my size if I would just tackle them low. And that was not so much about um, about how strong or big you were you were if you, for instance, had a good technique and you were fierce enough to just go inside the tackle without backing off. Um, and I think that also taught me a lot about, yeah, how to face obstacles in life 
head on when um when you don't um yeah when you don't try to go around them but just stand your ground and handle what comes your way then you can do a lot more than you might initially uh, think you can besides that it taught me a lot about uh, team sports and cooperation um and yeah really we re build a band of brothers who would walk through fire for each other and that was a really yeah. really powerful uh, powerful feeling and i think i gained a lot of uh, confidence over the years by playing rugby um eventually also over the years i, I got a bit i got a bit taller and a bit stronger and um but but still even even in my last years of playing rugby i was one of the smallest on the field um but yeah, I, I took a lot away from that. And um, one important part was also that at some point we got a fitness trainer, um, Louis Slay, who um, who believed a lot in training with uh, with your own body. So not so much with with all kinds of weights or in the fitness school with um, bench pressing, pressing and all the um, mm, all the different machines that are in the in the fitness school, but what can you do with your own body and um, training it with really functional movements and interval training, um, training balance by being in being out of balance. So, for instance, doing um, doing squats while you have one foot in a uh, in a rope or doing push ups while your hands are off the off the floor and then mm -hmm. because you're training an imbalance, you are becoming more imbalanced in your body. And with that, I also learned to push myself a lot and um, really connect with my body. And um, in the years afterwards, I, I still am immensely grateful for, uh, yeah, for having put in all this training and all this effort to, uh, to connect with myself, to connect with my body and to strengthen my body and strengthen my mind with that. Um, and then what, what Nita I already alluded to at some point uh, when I was traveling, I got into um, into staff spinning. So um, yeah, staff spinning is basically exactly what it says. So you have a stick, you have a, and you're making movements with it. You're um, you're flowing with it. You're spinning with it. Um, there are elements of dance in it. There's elements of kung fu and other martial arts inside of it, and for me, that was really a great way to to play around, um, especially since I was not playing rugby anymore. I was not uh, doing a sports. I could really, um, I could really develop myself creatively um, with flow arts, with with staff spinning, um, and it felt. I want you one second and ask you a question, if you're okay with that, yes. because at the moment you actually went went on your trip, went on your travel. Uh, I believe it was that night at Leidseplein where the next day you decided to fly to England, right? That was the start. Yes, indeed. So mm -hmm. I would love to tell, uh, or maybe you can tell the audience a little bit about that. And maybe, because it was pretty from my perspective, uh, maybe not an impulsive decision. Maybe it was though, it was quite acted out quite impulsively, but I would like to like for you to reflect if training with your body so many years, what role that had in actually taking that decision of just leaving your life behind with no certainties going mm. might be interesting. Um, 
first maybe tell a little bit about the experience so people have some context about how random this would appear from you know a general at least for me a general societal perspective right if you plan everything out do everything properly um, yeah i mean it was completely impulsive there was nothing planned about about it at all um i like i i'm maybe a little bit of context before that i i i after my high school i started studying applied physics in delft um then in the first year i didn't quite manage so then i stopped after half a year uh, worked in sales um got, got into sales actually um then tried again and then again i didn't i didn't make it and then at the time that this occurred um i was working in sales again um doing my my thing my thing things were um in work at least were going pretty good but i didn't really had a i didn't really had an idea of where i was going with um with my life or with this job and job or and and I, and I think I also didn't want to see where where I was headed um, and I didn't want to think too much about the future because I had no idea anymore um yeah where I would go and I was pretty disillusioned about the what I perceived then or what I interpreted as a failure in um in Delft so then that month I was already slacking off quite a lot at work um, I got into um, into partying and doing some some drugs, and um, I was really like, okay, fuck, fuck, fuck the job, fuck my life here. I I don't really I don't really give a fuck. And um, then after a month of that kind of behavior of skipping skipping work, um, like not showing up, um, missing important yeah missing important days and really giving the wrong impression as a captain towards the rest of the team. Um, I was fired the, that, that same day that eventually I decided to fly to England. And um, in the evening, I, um, I went out and I met a girl from, from Leeds. And well, we, had a, we had a pretty nice connection. We were talking a bit about uh, some books of Paulo Coelho. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, this, is, this is a nice connection. Um, I would kind of like to follow up on this, but she had to, she was leaving like that same night. She was flying back to, to England. So then I had proposed to her like, oh yeah, you know, I can just come with you. Uh, like, because I am just got fired and I, I don't have anything important to do here anyway. So yeah, I might as well just leave. And, um, yeah, it was a, like, she thought it was pretty crazy. Um, but she said like, yeah, you know, you're welcome. There's uh, space in the flat now because, uh, yeah, I just broke up with my boyfriend or something like that. So yeah, I would be happy for you to come. Um, and, um, yeah, so it was that after a night without sleep, I decided to, um, to book a flight to, uh, to Manchester. Um, and then my idea was to go to her with the train that evening. Um, which turned out very, very different in the end because uh, I couldn't stay with her, and then I found myself in Manchester without any any plans whatsoever, with two little small handbags with me, with some yeah random stuff in it, um, and no idea what I would do. Um, and yeah, you were asking what what connecting with my body and uh, investing time in that, what that had to do with this impulsive decision. Um, yeah. honestly, I'm not, I'm not very sure what it had to do with it. Um, 
in in part maybe having developed the uh the kind of the courage and the trust that when i'm with myself and in my own body that i don't need so much more than that and i know that i can endure also in um a bit difficult situations and that is something that came back a lot during that uh during that trip because afterwards i um i, I stayed in um in manchester for two weeks like randomly going about couch surfing and then i flew to spain where i also just uh, went about and figured things out along the way and i think what helped mm -hmm. was that i could um yeah trust in my body to endure also during difficult circumstances and um that i didn't need much more than my mind my body and taking care of myself in that um yeah taking taking care to um to connect the two nice well yeah the, the reason i i asked question is because um you know it's also basically a type of movement right leaving behind your life as it is trusting in yourself and just going mm -hmm. just going and seeing uh, where you end up and i remember at the time uh, that night before you went you know with the girl i was with you and we had a few drinks and for me it was exactly the opposite choice that i made i made the choice to go home early to be fresh for work uh, the next day um and but i had this you know this yearning inside and still a little bit actually of you know what if i just take the complete opposite path and i just go <laughs> uh, and it was really nice for me to hear about your journey um to basically reflect on that for myself and also be inspired that you can be okay if you just decide to go and even if all the plans as you plan them fall apart uh, you can find a way to you know keep going um and the reason why I coupled this uh, in my mind a little bit maybe to movement is because uh, this heard afterwards that you actually kept walking throughout Europe, you know, on your bare feet, getting glass in your feet and stuff like that. Uh, with, you know, people have shoes these days and they don't trust their feet to hit the ground, you know, but what you did and, and then next to that you also started spending your staff making some money along the way uh, using that to you know finding all these creative ways to get some food living in a cave in granada for a couple of weeks i'm telling a lot of examples that that really make uh, make a mental impact on me You're like whoa okay you can do it completely differently uh, leaving it uh, all behind that's why i thought it was cool uh, bringing it up would you maybe elaborate a little bit more on you know uh, yeah the role of movement in the journey maybe the staff spinning or yeah just take it any direction uh, you wish but mm -hmm. i'm curious about that um i i guess i guess how i could how i could pick it up from there is that um like what i also like from ido portal is that um like one thing that he's saying is that the the way you move is a reflection of the way you think and feel so the way you move through life is a re reflection of of the, the way you're moving inside um and which is nice because it, it it also has something that you can either change the way you you think and with through that you're changing the way you you move through life or you can change the way you move and then you also start to change the way you think and 
I think one thing that um, exposing myself to completely novel circumstances, new environments, um, trying out new things such as such as staff spinning, uh, also writing, which is also a way of um, moving your thoughts on paper, um, but also exploring the staff spinning and exploring the creativity that um, finding new new ways to do that. I was also finding new ways to to think, new ways to relate to myself, new ways to relate to other people. Um, and I think in that sense, ex exploring and experimenting with movements is um, mm, it's a very it's it's a very enriching practice um and the the consequences go it go uh, much farther than um than just le learning how to move differently as equal how you already said that systema became uh, really like a part of your of your life um how it how it it consciously also works with what is going on inside of you what kind of history you have behind you um so I would also be interested to um, hear some more about that because you said um, that after you were you were beaten up, for instance, you were quite afraid for some time. You were afraid of, of going outside. Um, and I'm wondering how that changed over time. Also, um, when you started Systema, what kind of impact that had on you um, and on the way you moved through life, let's say um yeah uh nice question um yeah i started with system art pretty late like before that i was doing martial arts uh but some different kinds uh i had a guy in my neighborhood who was teach teaching several martial arts i think taekwondo kung fu Aikido, I think like a, a mix through that. I think that also judo and other kinds of stuff. And he was like, uh, did free teaching in the neighborhood because he wanted to get uh, all the younger boys and kids out of the streets and practice with him martial arts and not do any other kind of stuff, you know, on the streets because the streets can, yeah, can lure you in really criminal kind of activities and he didn't want that so he did free teachings uh and i i was yeah i was uh in uh education with him like i i, I learned from him and i uh, later on i did some boxing uh but it was also with nitaid <laughs> and we did some boxing together but we didn't like that yeah, it was yeah. like very, very disciplined and it, it it was okay, but it was not, I only did it because I wanted to do something. I wanted to beat someone up or something. Like I wanted to protect myself. So it was still, I wanted to do martial arts because of a fear of me. Hmm. And then I came with Systema and then they said like, because um, if you have my trainer in front of you and you're like kind of sparring or something, he like, if he gets you to the ground, it's not that he gets you to the ground. It's like he gets you to get yourself to the ground. <laughs> it's like, a, it's, it's different because he 
plays with your psyche in kind of a way and your own trauma gets yourself to the ground. And he does very little effort because he does very little effort because he don't have to do anything because I'm so traumatized that I beat myself up in kind of, in kind of a way like, um, and like very, very good, almost ancient <laughs> system of masters uh, can do that very easily and can read people really quickly. And yeah, like the really old system of masters were in the special forces of uh, Russia and were spies and stuff. So they did something in their lives. And a lot of old vet veterans, like uh, old people from the war who experienced a lot of shit, um, yeah, came to the trainings in Systema and they kind of break in a training. And I'm not sure if it's like a taboo to talk about this and openly, but uh, like if you experience something really bad and someone is reading you and takes that anxiety to rub it in your nose and take you down and you feel so helpless that you let go of that fear. And that's like, at that moment, it's really hard, but in the long run, it's really helping you and uh, really to get to know yourself. So, so you you're... Um, uh, sorry for interrupting us. Can you tell me the story about that man, maybe as an example to illustrate it? Because I really like that story to, you know, make it tangible of what can happen in such a situation. What? what old man? veteran. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there was a guy of Australia. He came to Toronto and in Toronto is so, yeah, they are a really good system of master. Uh, there's one really good system of master. And I think oh, you have like, I don't know, you have like two people, two system of masters who robbed system into the Western world almost, or into the world, to the public. Um, and both of them were in Toronto and the old veteran uh, heard some uh, I don't know, some rumors about a guy helping veterans and to, I don't know, to to help in their traumas and stuff. Uh, because, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's commonly that all the veterans go into drugs and stuff after they uh, uh, helped or served in the army. And, yeah, he was experiencing that as well. So he came to Toronto and he went at a seminar with the, the two guys and the old system master looked at him and he uh and he speaks a lot uh, russian but he can speak a, uh, a couple of words in uh, in english and everyone was it was like a group talk and he was looking at him and he just walked at him and he whispered something in in his ear and then he just cried but it was like an old veteran who had served in vietnam and he was really old it was like an old man crying like i don't know 70 years 80 years old and he just broke down and i don't know it just just 
yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't know if all the yeah, if everyone has that kind of traumas, but everyone has traumas in their own way and in their own percep perception. So it was a yeah, it was a beautiful story, and I experiencing I experienced something <laughs> myself as well. Uh, like last year, if we talk about dare to share, <laughs> maybe it's uh, something to share in this podcast. Uh, because I'm uh, doing an internship now for my bachelor's degree, and it's for finishing my study, and I have to work in the office, and I really don't like that because it's not into my it it goes against my purpose in life almost like if that sounds not too dramatic but i really feel that everything in my body screams from why are you doing this like why are you doing this to yourself you're sitting eight hours a day or more like traveling there and like you're like sitting you're watching a uh like a uh you're watching a computer you're like typing you're like your whole back is like hurting your your feet are like swelling because all the blood comes down and it's just i i feel so imbalanced with my body and it's it's also i i don't like it because i chose it like a long time ago this study and now i just want to finish it and i have to go through this and this is seven and a half months of sitting eight hours a day uh and it feels like almost like a torture that i chose myself but I wanted to finish it and I came to Systema to my trainer and I didn't um, train in a long time then because I hadn't much time because of my study and was very busy. Uh, and he said like, there's something, there's something about you. You're, you're moving different. And I'm like, Oh, I'm trying my best, you know, I'm relaxing and stuff. And, I don't know what what's wrong. And he said, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. And then at the end of the training, he said it again, like, well, what's wrong with you? Well, what's, what's happening? Like you're, you're moving different. And I, I, I still didn't know what he, what he means. So I said, I don't know. And he said, look, we do a, we do a whip massage. And <laughs> like the old whip comes from the, uh, yeah, like a little backstory. It comes from the, from Ukraine, from the Cossacks, the old native people from Ukraine. And they have like long ladder whips. And it says we use it to massage or, I don't know, we use weapons to, I don't know, to train with it and to move. And uh, a lot, I like a whip massage a lot because it's really hard and I like a hard massage. But at that time I didn't want it because I wasn't ready for it, but he, yeah, my trainer knows me and he said, no, no, we're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm lying down. He, he's like feeling me like really slowly with like tapping me on, on my body with the whip. And normally we do that in Systema to see if we have a connection with the other person. Like if the touch, uh, does something in the body or it's so tense with stress that it does nothing you know that's like it's almost like uh 
uh, I don't know, it's just so stressed and tense that it doesn't move. But we want it to move, so we touch it. He touches a little more, and still nothing happening in my body. And then he just like slapped me really hard, like not whipping, but like a um, really deep massaging whip. And I started like getting really hot and sweating, and I started to breathe, breathe like really breathing really fast. And then he just slapped me again and slapped me again. And then I just broke down and I just cried for, I think almost 20 minutes. And I, I could go really, really much longer, but it was just empty or something. And I wasn't there in that moment, in that room. I wasn't also, I wasn't feeling pain or anything. I was really feeling the pain of all my, of the internship of sitting, of forcing myself into that structure that society has built and forcing my body to do unhealthy things for eight hours a day, every day. And I, I just, I don't know, I, I couldn't handle it. So I just broke down and I really, it wasn't going well with my girlfriend and also in the family, there were a lot of this, distort uh, relationships and everything just came out at that moment. And yeah, I, w I wasn't the first one who broke in my training school uh, and I won't be the last one, I already know. But at that time, it, yeah, it was time for me to, to heal myself and the whip did that for me. So in that moment, like everything that you had been putting yourself through everything that all the trauma as you said that you stored in your body over the last year everything at once just came came loose and came kind of bursting out of you yeah yeah exactly i i had really a feeling of not uh how do you say put put like an act or something i don't have to mm. perform for anyone i don't i can just be myself just right there at that moment. And the whip is really forcing the body to relax. But because I had so much like pain and traumas in my body, I I couldn't relax, but the whip is just so strong that, and like the floor is underneath me. So this the tension can go downwards and the whip is above, so it can go upwards. So the only solution is to relax. So it really forces you to relax. And that's a really, really nice feeling, but it's also really hard. It's not something you do every day. Mm -hmm. it's a, <laughs> it sounds very interesting to me like that. Um, like when, when, something, when something hard hits you and you're facing some kind of difficulties, the more you try to resist it, the more it hurts. And yeah. the longer it takes um, for it to um, to un unravel, so instead, what you learn in in Systema, it sounds to me like to surrender yourself to the inevitable and um, be healed by being open, being completely open for that what tries to move through you. Yeah, exactly. Very well put. I'm wondering what um, what changed for you for you afterwards. Like, how did you feel, like the day, the week uh, after the, the the months afterwards? What changed in your life? 
um, yeah, you, yeah, you feel kind of, yeah, almost shit or something. A lot of people I, I've heard get sick because it's, yeah, sometimes you can like, I don't know, hold, like reduce a sickness, like hold it in your body somewhere that, that so that you get sick when you relax. You you hear a lot of people get uh, get sick on holidays because they finally can relax. Uh, I didn't have that in. Uh, I didn't really get sick, but I was really. Uh, I was not on my best. <laughs> it was like if I if I had like a hangover for three days or something. It was really strange, and. But it was clear in my head, and that was a very nice feeling. It was if my feelings and thoughts were honest and pure i don't know i think that's the right word maybe without internal resistance against themselves yeah there was no trash anymore it really felt like i was clean and if the yeah that that my feelings were my feelings and not other ones feelings that i put into me like a long time ago or not resisted a long time ago yeah yeah it felt it felt like a relief really so in a way you had let go of the act that you had put on the facade that you were um yeah acting out and then afterwards uh like first you felt all the uh, all the negative emotions that you had stored, but then afterwards, uh, like e even in that moment, it felt more authentically you. It felt yeah, like you had the right to be there. Yeah, the it really felt, it was a really strange thought, but it really felt like the whip was, uh, wasn't judging, you know? Like mm. it was so pure, it was so honest, it was so, so I can be myself, I can be my shitty trauma self, my self-pity, my everything. This was the last time that the recording was shortly interrupted again. We tried to pick it up as well as we could. I hope it's uh, understandable for you as a listener. And we're back online. Right. So, yeah, what I really like is the contrast between how strength is quote unquote traditionally portrayed in Western society and the way it's, uh, it is portrayed in martial arts. In, traditionally in Western society, um, especially in a capitalist society, uh, men who bend the world to their will are revered. The entrepreneur who builds a billion dollar company, in spite of all these challenges, he perseveres. And, you know, uh, shows the value of perseverance, you know, and, and if you're smart and if you do it correctly, you can bend the world to your will. But then there's the contrast to martial arts in where you don't necessarily rely on your strength to bend the world to your will, but you rely on your vulnerability, on your you know, trusting the fact that even if you surrender, that you will be fine. Which is, I think, a beautiful, holistic way of looking at strength. 
because if you're really strong you don't have to keep yourself strong so to say you can just let everything go and you will still be strong and you will be able to actually to take the challenges that life throws at you uh, which is i think a really nice way to look at it because it doesn't it, it puts you out of the mindset of that you have to you know you've t you have to tense yourself up and you have to prepare and you have to you know give everything you have just to achieve something uh, because that's the mindset that lots of people have uh, at least i think so it, it looks like it at least i have it <laughs> uh, when i'm trying to achieve a big goal or for studying something get a good grade learn as much as possible um it can be a really a mentality of you know i have to put effort and energy into it to get this done when you just go into it with a mindset of i have all the qualities that are needed i'll just open myself up to the process and just see what comes out which is i think a way that you can actually um make sure you grow through the process instead of having predefined everything that you want to achieve beforehand and having all those expectations actually weigh down on you and even limit you when you experience things that are different and then you also have this inner fight going on between your expectations and the reality that's not matching them in addition exactly. yeah the reality itself that you still have to deal with thereby making yourself weaker because the 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 expectation of strength that you placed on yourself beforehand uh, which is i think really really interesting that if you expect that you are strong enough to persevere even if you let go i think it can help you get weighed down less by those expectations and actually change them in a way that opens you more to the experience what it actually has to give instead of what you thought it should be giving you and how you should act it out which is i think it's a really great point to think about uh, in life in general at least for me something that that i'm trying to take with me as much as possible uh, so yeah, yeah how your example with the whip basically illustrates that um the resistance the stress the expectations not wanting to let them go and then the whip just forcing you to let them go to be able to deal with it yeah whipping them away literally <laughs> it was yeah yes uh vladimir Kastiliev is like a great system of master and he's always if he a lot of people ask him questions about life and everything. They see really see him as a kind of guru, but he doesn't see him. He said he doesn't see himself like that. But and they ask him about tips, like what what tips can I have to get get a good to be a good fighter or I don't know to be strong and healthy. And you just say like acceptance, like acceptance of what you get, like acceptance of I don't know the if you got choked or. I don't know, ex like in the first thing is acceptance. And after that, you can work with it and be open-minded to all the possibilities. But first you have to accept like, yeah. I think without acceptance, you, um, as, as Nita already alluded to, you are not open to the realities of the 
uh, the realities inside of you and the realities around you. And you can only even perceive reality when you're able to accept things as they are and you're able to accept yourself as you are. And uh, I think from that place of acceptance, you can um, you can work with what there is. Um, as Bruce Lee puts it, be water, my friend, be water. Uh, yeah. become, become the cup of, of life, become, become the situation that you find yourself in and then um, work with that. Exactly. And, and it's interesting that it, uh, it, it ties in nicely to a conversation that I had with my uh, dad two days ago, who uh, observed about Nita and I's first uh, two pod podcast episodes that there was a lot of kind of pressure um, on also self-development, for instance, and even in some way on self-acceptance. Whereas putting pressure on that and making personal development kind of a goal in some way there's also presupposition inside of that that as you are now as we are now we are not yet good enough mm -hmm. the, the degree of acceptance that we have now we are not acceptant enough so in in that trying to focus on self-acceptance acceptance it presupposes that as we are now we are not accepting ourselves enough so in that there's even a critique on ourselves and um like the observation that my dad made was that um, when when you're able to to perceive, when you open yourself to the realities within yourself and around you, and just that, without any efforting, without any pushing in one direction or the other, change will follow naturally. Or even if if you still decide to do the same habit, then you do it consciously because you have opened yourself up to be able to perceive it, to see it. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that that ties in very, um, very nicely with this sense of acceptance, and that you just function better, like in fighting, but also in living in itself. Yeah, really nice. Uh, Ido Portal talks about it in his podcast as well. Like, yes, he is uh, from. Uh, He's a capoeira guy, of course, like his background. And in Portuguese, you have like a word for it. I'm not sure what it was, but it's like be in a moment. And also the Taoism is talking about it a lot in martial arts. They That's like the Tao, like the, the motion that it's like perfect because it's not uh, performing for a, for a for uh, expectation or for a thought, a thought. So it's like the perfect motion. It's like when the dancer is the dancer, when the perfect punch uh, has like the perfect outcome, like the perfect everything. Like, and it can be with, yeah, with dancing. It can also be with, I don't know, making coffee or standing up or kick the ball into the goal or with rugby or with singing, but it's like a, a moment when you're not thinking and just really be in the moment and then you can accept because you're not into your thoughts anymore. Like like all the effort, all your energy is in the moment. It's like in the movement, in the martial art, in the dancing, in, I don't know, singing, whatever you like. Flow. 
that's how people call it in English sometimes. Yeah, flow. Uh, I have a I have a piece of art hanging on my room, which tries to represent what you just said in an image. So I'm going to try to show it to you to the. So what I like about this is the, dan the dandy is just dancing, and he's dancing for himself, not not for anybody else. He's just doing the movement for the sake of the movement. And well, maybe you can uh, describe the picture first for the listeners. <laughs> Yeah, maybe if the listeners don't see it, there's a guy who is dancing in a room, and the room is completely dark. So the picture is almost completely black. You just see a small beam of light uh, coming through the window, and it's just enough light that you can see that there's a black silhouette of a figure who is dancing, and he's in the middle of one of his moves. And except that, there's nothing in the room, nothing at all. You just see from the way he stands that he's enjoying himself. But what the, the fact, what I like about it is that he's not pretending. He's not doing it um, to, he's not dancing to be seen. He's dancing to dance, which is, I think, very relevant in the world where we as human social beings always account for what other people might think of us. Um, and there's a really beautiful quote about this, uh, which illustrates it for me. And it's from Guti, and I actually got it from, from Jay Shetty. And the quote is, I'm not what I think I am. I'm not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. Uh, but I'll repeat it once. Just let it sink in. I'm not what I think I am. I am not what you think I am, but I am what I think you think I am. So it basically describes that lots of human beings are living in this perception of a perception of themselves, where they think uh, about what other people think of them and then orchestrate actions according to that, to try to change that image in someone else's head into the image that they want themselves to be. So basically, it's how you deal with expectations of others and what effect they have on your actions. And in many senses, the, the, the sense that you have of the way other people see you influences you a lot. And that's why I like this picture of the dandy who's just dancing to dance. But I actually got another one. I'm not sure if I can show it, but I will try. I'll describe it. It's of a guy who is lying on the stage, just playing his saxophone with his eyes closed. And you have to imagine it's in the 50s in, in, in America, jazz musician, maybe in New Orleans or something like that. And he has his eyes closed, lying on the stage, playing the saxophone with all his heart. And you just see the passion in his eyes and also the passion in the eyes of the listeners. These are the tra traditional white men and, and women, which, you know, um, generally there's a whole racial thing going on in that era. But you see how the passion unites them. The listeners... It seems like they're enjoying even more than the guy who is lying on the stage with his eyes closed. They're actually making these 
orgasmic faces about how great the music is. And the thing I like about that is the small detail that the guy, again, has completely has his eyes closed and he's just doing his thing, which represents to me that the best gift you can give to someone is to be yourself without any expectations placed upon them what they should think about it, which is, uh, yeah, for, for me, it represents when you try to act in a way that makes somebody happy, generally, uh, you, re you are also trying to do that for a reason. And usually that's, you know, maybe something in your self-image. Maybe you want to be the type of person that makes these people happy. But for trying to do something that makes them happy, um, you're also giving them the expectation with it. And in addition to this nice act that they're doing, you're also giving them the, the, the subtle, it's not an obligation that they should be happy, but usually when you do it, you will be disappointed if they are not, which will actually remove a lot of the value from the gift. Uh, in my opinion, at least, when when people give me uh, when people give me something, and there's an expectation attached, which is, which is not clearly revealed and spoken out out loud, uh, then and and then in in the end, I act in just the way how I feel about it, and that person, you know, doesn't like that, then generally it diminishes the value of the gift as well, because it wasn't really a gift in the first place it was more like transaction so it was a bit deep into my own philosophy about this uh, but that's what i like about those pictures that when you focus on, on doing your own thing without any expectation about what the world will think about it uh, i think you encourage other people to let themselves be free as well and I think that is the greatest gift that you can give somebody, you know, the permission to accept themselves, which is why I'm uh, trying to do this as an ongoing experiment and, and you know, getting better at it. I would like to tie in some, um, yeah, some things I learned recently by uh, reading the book, The Courage to be Disliked about Adlerian psychology, because the, especially the, the picture of the, of the man dancing in the uh, one bright, uh, bright ray of light where the rest is all dark, uh, living for the moment. Um, I think um, in the book, they describe some very nice images about um, and the difference between an energetic way of living and a kinetic way of living. Where they describe, uh, or yeah, there are two authors and they describe a kinetic way of living as a um, kind of a goal-oriented way of living. So you try to get somewhere. Um, so for instance, with, while climbing a mountain, the goal is to reach the top of the mountain. And when you stop halfway through, then you perceive that as being a failure. Um, whereas when you fly to the mountaintop in a helicopter, stay there for five minutes and then fly away again, then you have reached your goal. Um, and he describes that this way of living will never really fulfill you, will never really um, yeah, give you real sense of enjoyment or happiness. Whereas the other way of, of living, the energetic way of living is um, conceptualizing life as a series of moments 
and you're living each moment for the sake of the moment. So when you're climbing a, a mountain, you're not climbing the mountain to, or like maybe you, you, you climb the mountain and try to reach the top, but you're climbing the mountain to take every step in climbing that mountain. And uh, yeah. he describes the differences in a, in a picture. So imagine that you are in a room and the kinetic way of, of being is that the whole room is very dimly illuminated. So you can see a little bit in front of you and a little bit behind you. Um, but every everywhere you can see it in only a very, yeah, with very low bright, brightness, with very low resolution. Because you are, um, your attention is spread very thinly over the past and the future, a tiny bit in the present. But your, yeah, your being is distributed over that whole dimly illuminated space. Whereas the energetic way of being is that only the place where you are right then in that moment is um, is very brightly illuminated and you're living only for that moment. Um, and that was the thing that um, I was thinking of when looking at that picture and hearing you describe it. Um, that the only the moment exists, only the now exists, the present and the past are mere figments of the imagination and they they are they are useful concepts but they don't actually exist life is a series of of moments and all there is is the present moment and to be fully open for all the realities that are that lie in the present moment both within yourself and around you um is a way more fulfilling way of living than to constantly time travel between the past and the future and never really be present in where you are. I love it, man. I love it. And it, it makes me think because I was thinking about this as a really, really young guy already. Um, you know, I had lots of health challenges in the past, which forced me basically to stay home while other kids went to school. And I thought like, how can I be happy in, in this case? And I noticed quite quickly that, you know, um, thinking about things, especially about all the things I didn't have, does not make you happy at all. <laughs> in fact, it, it diminishes the quality of, of the moments that you do have. Um, but the only thing you have is those moments and how you use them. That That's really, that's really all you have. Um, and, and especially when you're, I, I was actually tr thinking about this and then I was contrasting it with the Western way of seeing it. So at the one end, I had this, uh, this, this thinking, of, I was thinking about this and I was like, okay, it should be to, to enjoy my life optimally, optimally, I should be present in every moment. But then I was also reflecting on that and, and thinking, okay, what could be the downside to being present in each moment? And the downside that I saw was not adequately planning to make the future better on a really uh, just a survival basis right so if you in the moment you are controlled by your senses and you feel you really want this hamburger and you just eat it ah just eat it right you take it and then you you're living in the moment so you took the burger all in accordance with you know wise life philosophy but in the long run the burger might give you you know you might become overweight you might have eaten so much fast food that your arteries get clogged up. So 
what is yeah, the balance? I think, I think there's a difference what you make what Kas said and what you are saying, because being in the moment, what what you are saying, I, I think uh, it represents more the uh, impulsive way of acting and doing, uh, being in the now, like it's really impulsive. And what Kas is saying is like being in the moment and uh, really. Um, see everything clearly in the moment, then you can also see clear the uh, the advantages and disadvantages of every choice you make. You see, you can see that more clear and you're not uh, acting impulsively of, uh, I don't know, like uh, your gut feeling of, oh, I'm hungry. I want to get a really fat snack or a fast food kind of thing. And yeah, because okay, you're really... So it, it being in the moment helps me to make good cho choices for the future and uh, yeah, to make me less impulsive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Can you elude a little bit on that? So tell me some more. Um, yeah, because um, yes, most of the, like if I, I can only view my own life of course <laughs> and uh the yeah the the bad choices that i make that was because i wasn't really in the moment i wasn't thinking clearly i i had like clouds in my mind um and it's not a bad thing because you learn from it of course and it's not uh yeah I, I'm, I'm human i make wrong choices in my life and um but it was not, but it was because I was not in the moment, I think. And when I'm really, uh, I think being in the moment is really a consequence of a lot of things like eating healthy, get enough sleep, get enough rest, but also get enough discomfort in your life to, uh, I don't know, to train your uh, relaxedness and distressness, you know, and train your breathing. Uh, breathing is a really good one. For me now in this time um and that's like if if you do all those things like in a in a balanced way like get enough sleep but also get enough discomfort and get enough i don't know social contact but get also enough alone time to focus on yourself if that's in balance then uh the consequence is that you are more in the moment and can think more clearly and make good choices for yourself in the long run hmm. I would say yeah. that it's, um, or how it seems to me is that it's, it works both ways. So one is, if you're more in the moment, um, you are more aware of uh, what you what you said, Iqro, that you are, you're aware of the impulse, like, oh, I want to, um, to eat this fat, or I, I observe a yearning to eat this fat and fat food. But yeah, I also, exactly. I'm also aware of the consequences of it. I'm also aware that how I will feel afterwards, for instance. Mm. Um, and and even if you then decide to eat it, if you are fully present, then you also are present while you're while you're eating the burger, and you're present afterwards while you're experiencing the consequences that that burger has on both how you feel, how your belly feels, how you how your um, how you feel mentally. Like I know for myself, for instance, when I eat a lot of sugar or eat or drink a lot of coffee, then I get very restless and my mind gets kind of clouds of sugar or 
sugar inside or I get all jitteries from the caffeine. And when I'm fully present with that, then I can, I can learn from that experience that actually intrinsically, I don't want that. Like I don't want to eat these, these, these sweet things, or I don't want to drink so much coffee because I, I don't want to feel as I feel, um, I, I don't want to bear the responsibility for the consequences of these actions. Exactly. Yeah. That that was what I was trying to say. Thank you. <laughs> and and, and I think we're talking uh, about the difference between um, observing your thoughts and not noticing distinction between the observer and the thoughts and just acting out the impulses. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And um, like with the with the way that you were describing of um how do you um you have this beautiful word for like uh, like when you were eating something without really tasting it um but like like yeah you're 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 eating it without without tasting it like as, as you acted out like and gone is the burger and but that's not being being present actually before you are thinking like oh yeah i want to eat this burger but you're escaping, you're in, in the future of like, oh, I don't want to feel this kind of hunger. I don't want to have this, um, um, I, I don't want, I want to escape from this craving. And that's why I will act out this impulse. But then you're actually already in the future. You want to, you want to exist in a reality where you are not having that craving. And I yeah. think the present way of being is observing the craving and then Seeing, okay, I can act on this or I cannot, and I have the freedom to choose between that. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I know what you mean also. But then once you're in your life, the distinction can be more difficult to make, especially when you have certain goals you want to achieve. So um, contrasting being in the moment with um, also setting a goal, which basically means setting a goal is basically also contains uh, some dissatisfaction with the present state of things. Because if there wouldn't be this dissatisfaction, why would you set a goal? Um, at least that's sometimes how, how it's viewed. Um, so you actually want to do the actions that give you a higher probability of achieving the goal in the present. Uh, at least that's how I thought about it, right? I thought about it, how can I make my life as happy as possible? And I thought about two things. Enjoy every moment, the first and best thing, basically. Just enjoy and accept what it has to give. And the second one is build for a better long-term future. And trying to combine those two, which is actually really, really difficult. When I was a kid, it was quite easy for me to do, to stay positive and, uh, you know, just... Um, in my because there wasn't really any goal i was forcing myself to achieve uh, and you, you you maybe notice i use the word force uh, because since i uh, have gotten older and you know uh, what i think i want there also comes a bigger drive of me having the feeling that i owe this to myself to achieve it well in reality I'm just making a projection for the future based on what I think I know about my past and also what I think I know this future present thing will give me. 
which might completely not be the case. Uh, I might, you know, achieve the goal and then be in a situation where I realized that I didn't want it after all, which is something that happens more often uh, than people maybe give credit for in this Western society. You know? People have finally having their house, their three kids, their good job, and realizing, fuck, I just wasted half my life. I'm selling this. I'm, I'm moving away, getting, uh, you know, a big, uh, nice sports car and a, a hot new 20-year-old wife or maybe some other way on which they, you know, realize that this path really wasn't for them. So mm -hmm. trying to basically find the point of balance between those because I see value in both. I see value in building towards your future and I see value in appreciating your present. But the mindset somehow seems, it seems like it shouldn't have to contradict each other. But often, at least for me, when I'm striving for goals in the real world, sometimes it does. Um, so yeah. especially the last few years, I've noticed this when striving more rigorously, that it being in the moment has become a bit more difficult while I strive. Uh, so mm -hmm. I need to keep reminding myself to do it for the journey and not the destination. Yeah, um, I noticed that a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts about it that came up when, uh, while you were talking. Um, like, okay, for, for, first of all, I want to respond to that you said that setting a goal seems to contradict with accepting where you are to you. Um, that it says that, oh yeah, something is not right. But I don't think it necessarily has to. And I think when you make a goal from that, um, when you make a goal from that source, from that motivation, and that's how you're pursuing it, then I think that complicates things. Because I think actually in some ways it's actually, it's way simpler, but we make it complicated because, um, or in this case, you make it more complicated because you force yourself to do certain goals because you have some, some preconceived notion about what that future will look like. And you have the idea that you own it to yourself and that you should do it. Um, whereas I think you can, you can set a goal, um, with, while still perfectly accepting how you are right now and how the present moment is. And I think when you set goals from that source, then, um, mm, then, then you, it will be easier also to, to follow these, to work towards these goals intrinsically, because the goal is not to be there. The goal is not to be somewhere else. The goal is to be exactly where you are right now and to move towards something that lies in the future. But the goal is to be to be in that in that process of moving towards that. And um, a big part, like our positive emotions, we experience when we are pursuing a goal that has value for us. But we are experiencing it in the present moment. And it doesn't presuppose that something is wrong with us right now. Or something should be different it's just mm. like okay in um the the end of this year the end of uh of, of june i would like to have my bachelor's diploma um but it doesn't like i'm not struggling now like oh fuck, i should have my diploma right now um it's just like no that's something that i'm that i'm working towards and when i bring myself back to to the, this present moment i have this vision inside i have something that i'm aiming at but I'm still 
um, right now, right here, what can I do now? What can I do today? What can I do in the next hour to further that goal? And I think then it's, um, then the pro progress becomes a lot more naturally than um, when you have the idea that you own it to yourself, you, 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 uh, you owe it to yourself, uh, or you should do it for future you, because you think, um, yeah, getting a diploma will make you happier or something like that. Whereas often people, after they reach a goal, and they've just worked towards that from a goal-oriented mindset, then they fall in a gap because then it's, okay, what now? Um, whereas when it's a learning goal, it's like, okay, I learned that, but there's still there's still much to learn. There's there's this new moment to enjoy and this new moment to enjoy. Yeah, um, what the crazy, is, the crazy thing is, lots of the things um, you just mentioned, I think about them often, but still I see... Uh, once I move into society um, where there is this system with its certain kinds of expectations and the way it's presented, then it still influences me. And it's pretty tricky because on the one hand, I want to open myself up to influence. That's why I'm there. I want to, you know, grow through the experience. And on the other side, I'm noticing that if I do so completely, then the social pressures and stuff like that also starts to work on me and how I dealt with that in the past is basically just shut myself a little bit off to those pressures because you know I valued being in the moment so much that I wouldn't want to compromise it for what other people thought and um, so basically I, I practiced that mindset as well for a while consciously trying to not adapt when I felt you know certain things that people certain opinions of people or certain things that people said or advices on how I should act uh, even even with my friends even with Ico in, in in our group of friends um, I also sometimes did it you know like consciously trying to not uh, um, not adapt as to not stray this value too much but then also the value in you know just yielding to it and indeed trying to uh, adapt a little bit and uh, you know compromise so to say uh, and in between like compromising and, and accepting um, that's sometimes um, it's difficult for me especially because I, I realized like many of the things that you just said I realized them and I've even experienced them but still I noticed when I you know started studying and also when I really got this performance mindset at my job of achieving goals that um, it, it got a little bit more difficult for me to balance the two. Um, one thing that you mentioned is um, that one way in which you say you practiced trying to be present was by, um, how I see it, correct me if I'm wrong, but by closing yourself up for the reality of the influence of other people and uh, yeah, I, would, I would describe that as fooling yourself into believing that you're present or actually you are putting on some um, some glasses and you're just in this in this tunnel and you just filter out you, you ignore actively what you don't want to see yeah um, because it's 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 acting out of fear I think you were afraid mm -hmm. that the 
social pressures as you described them and it's it's not in the social pressures you were afraid that you how you interpreted the social pressures or that you did not have what it what it um what it takes to deal with the social pressures in a way that is in line with your values and it sounds like you were acting out of that fear by trying to to filter it out yeah a little bit a little bit I, at least uh, looking back i recognize that part of it as well um yeah man that needs work so what i what i try to do is actually take off the the, the how do you call them take off the tunnel vision so to say uh, and do this less basically uh, deal with reality as it is instead of um you know as what you would like it to be and then adjusting your own active in such a way that you view it as you would like it to be and actually a conversation with you helped me very much in doing that because for me it's just the last few years that this happened fairly recent um, and it was the expectation of uh, the, the, the conversation i mean actually about uh, honesty and the value of honesty also in a relationship um, which really it comes back to the metaphor I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, not trusting necessarily in the fact that if you behave a certain way, you can make another person happy, but instead trusting that, um, you know, if it's meant to be just show the other person what's there and just, you know, experience how you move through that together and have faith in that, um, which, you know, I personally, uh, I really like if I, I love someone to see them happy. I really do. So uh, I can also uh, compromise uh, myself a little bit, um, adjust my behavior a little bit to make somebody happy when I love them enough. I don't do it for people I don't love, but when I love them enough, I know I have this tendency. And because I have this tendency, that's why I also sometimes try to um, shield myself from this because i know if i change myself and if i'm not really myself then it's less authentic as well which you know causes a little bit more of the behavior that we talked about before of putting on the tunnel vision and ignoring the pieces you don't like um so actually trying to find the the you know maybe not the the balance between that spectrum maybe just a different way of looking at it you know just instead of trusting the fact that you know you're strong when you are exerting effort and putting your all into it instead of that just trusting the fact that you are still strong enough to handle it even if you let all your resistance go yeah it's really helped me as well in, in my relationship thinking about it that way yeah really yeah. it's pretty scary yeah it, it helps <laughs> It's uh, nice to see how you guys uh, help each other in the kind of way. Because uh, mm. I really admire what you do with uh, Nita. And I think uh, he needs you as a friend as well in his life. Because, uh, yeah, the last time we chilled, like with our friend group, uh, they were really like sitting in a, in, in a circle. And Nita was talking about exactly this. 
and I was like laying and I was like uh, like a little fucked up and I was like laying in bed watching it and I was really and everyone was really thinking in their heads like talking talking I really had really uh I don't know I had like uh uh like living with Nitai through thoughts in this thinking in this way of thinking and Nitai really had them in the flow of thinking what was a disaster i thought <laughs> and i just <laughs> grabbed nitai i take him out of the chair put him on bed and i was like start massaging him and then he was like quiet closed his eyes for like i don't know for like 15 minutes and i massaged him and he was like <laughs> after that he was like really chill and smiling <laughs> and it was like okay because sometimes i can put it in words but you can do it very well cuz but uh, I, I'm more in the massage and like the physical kind of therapeutic way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Beautiful. But, yeah. And that, that way you then bring him back to the um, kind of the, the, the truthfulness of his body, which like, like the body doesn't, doesn't lie, right? Like the, the lies yeah. are often made up out of all kinds of webs of, of, of thoughts. Um, but when you put someone back into his or her body, by or massaging is a very very powerful way i think then um yeah you, you you connect the the mind with the body again and then um it's it's beautiful to hear that that afterwards nita felt so much more centered in a way definitely and actually that's what i was talking about with my friends how to get more of that but mm. and again i wasn't using the moment to actually get that uh, instead i was discussing a possible idealized future in which I behaved a certain way, which this this relaxation would just always be there by the habits I set up and how disciplined I was in following them. And yeah, so, so I really, indeed, Ikro, I really liked that. And um, it did make me a lot more happy. And um, you guys have both helped me with that in my life, uh, both in your own ways and at different times. Um, with either a, a massage or a good conversation or a combination, you know? So, and that's why um, I thought I'd bring you guys together one more time. And yeah, I mean, it's the start of uh, a lot more times to come. We will see, but for mm -hmm. now it's nice. Uh, that's the, yeah. that's Thanks. what I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm happy uh, that you brought us all together. And, and I think uh, we have a lot of interesting things both to discuss and also uh, potentially to do together, especially when the when the coronavirus viruses is passed and, and we can um, break from the social isolation. Like it would also be, we'd also enjoy to, to well, meet in person for sure, uh, maybe share some movement practices and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe train together indeed you know it's uh i think it would be a really nice way to connect the body as we've connected the mind now mm -hmm. i think uh, yeah engaging the body in that way uh will help make our points come to life yeah? movement is therapy one, one idea that i got quite strongly is that um, it's it seemed to me that you, it was a very uh Taoist act of yours in the in the circle, um, like like the one one of the Taoist um, mm, 
ways of life is to to act w without thinking right to um yeah to to kind of trust what comes up and um immediately act that out so instead of maybe asking Nita, hey Nita, would you maybe like a massage or not? you just you just saw it you felt it and you took him and you started massaging him to just bring him back um does that relate to your to your experience yeah yeah i think so uh, but i think also because i really uh it was a very safe environment because yeah we were with our friends at our friend's house and i know nita for a long time i and therefore i really felt responsible maybe a little and also uh i felt safe to give him what he needs at that moment and i really thought this is what you need and just let me be then <laughs> and if you let me be you can be yourself even more <laughs> mm -hmm. after it and uh yeah so i i, I do it like uh, our friend group is really uh goal-minded almost <laughs> and nita especially uh but i'm not and i don't really uh i don't know see like put a lot of value on on a goal i think uh, uh being in the moment uh is like my flow and a consequence of that is like reaching my goal Mm -hmm. So for being in the moment, uh, I reach my goal, unfortunately, and the goal changes. It's like fluid, you know, uh, and being in the moment also, because sometimes you're in discomfort and sometimes you're in comfort and sometimes you're positive, sometimes negative, depressed. I don't know. And you just have to see what, uh, what you need at that moment and what part of you needs what, like, yeah. And I saw the group talking <laughs> and they were really like thinking in their heads, like really trying to solve, stop thinking with thinking. That was literally what I was feeling also. And I think it's a really uh, yeah, cold turkey or like a, a Russian kind of way, <laughs> like a Russian, like the Russians, the, the, the language of like the Russian language is also really you you say like ikaro chair sit you know and you can say it in mm. any order and it means it's exactly proper russian so it's there there's not a lot of uh i don't know like complications uh, in the language yeah yeah it's really easier really and i think that's what i learned and sometimes that's what you need in this life also and i thought nita needs some of this <laughs> Nice, man. Nice analogy with, with Russian language. I like it. Doesn't matter which order it's in. It's all right. All right. And uh, uh, that's, that's do it. Like, just do it. It's not the language. It's not the purpose. It's not the goal. It's just doing. And yeah, I don't know. I am. Um, I, I was thinking that um, I, I think it might be a good um point to start wrapping wrapping up um mm -hmm. what do you two think yeah. about that yeah yeah <laughs> we'll, uh, 
<laughs> and I, I, I was I was at the question in my mind, Ikro, if you could, um, like we were talking about honesty earlier, um, and that, that seemed to be more about honesty in uh, what, what Nita said, being honest to himself, being honest to his girlfriend and to other people. And um, I was wondering if you could maybe close off with uh, with sharing a bit about what honesty and movement means to you. Oh, yeah, I don't have like a philosophical question. I have more uh, an event that happens to me. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I can tell that. Um, you were talking about Bruce Lee earlier, like being water. The the son of Bruce Lee, Kwan Lee, is a very high system trainer in, in the US. And I've been to a seminar uh, of him in Amsterdam. And we he he did something special there because he was uh, he, he asked my trainer like what 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 would you like to train and my trainer said anything you want and he said really I can go all the way and my trainer said yeah you can go all the way with these people and I was like and he was really like with choking pain fear like all kind of exercises with that. And there was literally uh, an exercise. I like, th there was one person laying on the ground and one other person was choking you with a stick, like on your, uh, yeah, on, throat. Like, on your throat, like underneath your, your chin. And the other person was uh, putting the this, this stick on your, uh, on your knees or on your, uh, on your leg or anything where, where it would hurt like really bad. And then you had to experience that. And then they asked you questions like, what's your date of birth? Where are you living? And then like, like tricking the mind to get out of the pain, like that kind of exercises. And I was experiencing that and I, and people need to watch you. And if you like breathing too much, you, you need to stop. Like if you reached a point of, of, of a, yeah, like really your limit of the person, if you reach the limit of the person, you had to stop. But I was experiencing that I was fooling myself. I was like uh, acting that I had reached my limit before I reached my limit to uh, protect myself. But that's not what the exercise is, is about. It's about reaching your limit. And I was telling that to Kwan and he said oh yeah 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 of course you do that of course you do that you're a human you know and he takes me and <laughs> he said everyone everyone come 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 and then he was really putting his thumbs like in my eyeballs like in my eye like behind my skull almost like and he was saying like yeah like sometimes you have to go really further like that, that, that he's really like <laughs> he, he got really really hard with me and then i was like holy fuck and then you really yeah, you really have to be honest with yourself for experiencing what you want to experience in this life and that was really honesty for me to express my anxiety for reaching my limit through the trainer and he smashed it really hard why <laughs> But it was really, it was, it was good. He, 
he knows what I can handle. Mm -hmm. Really. So, so in a way, by um, expressing yourself also vulnerably, right? Because you you are you are sharing your anxiety and sharing like, oh yeah, I I, I noticed that I didn't give it my all. Um, yeah, I wasn't honest to myself also. Mm -hmm. And by by being honest afterwards, by dealing at least with the consequences honestly, like the 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 trainer, the brother of Bruce Lee gave taught you a very valuable lesson about about honesty and about um, what your limits actually are. Yeah, maybe was that also my way of experiencing my limit. Maybe it wasn't in that exercise, but maybe it was I had to reach my limits to be vulnerable first. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was the way for me then. And maybe for other persons was, uh, well, is, is there another way? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But at that point, it was for me the way. <laughs> I hope uh, the listeners are not freaked out about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, really great, uh, great ending point. I think I like I liked it a lot because it's so crazy. Uh, maybe it at least it's making me think where my limits uh, lie and which of them I would like to explore in what way. And I think that's a good question. You know. When yeah, and also, mm -hmm. uh, where, where are you going to start to trick yourself that you reach your limit? That's a really, you know, I feel like, <laughs> as soon as you mention it, I feel I'm pretty good at that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how do you realize that you are tricking yourself? Because uh, the, the mind can be uh, quite a deceiving wicked entity i think yeah well said yeah one way i've tried to uh, combat this expectations you know placing on yourself on your life on what you think you want is is what uh what we mentioned in an earlier podcast and also in this one it really helped me as well it, instead of thinking that I know what I want to achieve. I just accept that probably when I'll be there, I want something completely different. So instead of saying, I know what I want, I just say, <laughs> I know what I want to find out. And that has really helped me quiet my mind in certain situations. Instead of thinking ahead and measuring up a present situation with my expectations, just quiet it down and just think, okay, I just, I know what I want to find out and just stay in the moment, just do that. And it, uh, and it helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Cool. Namaste guys. Thank you very much. We had a really, Namaste. I think you have enough content. content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way yeah, longer but I think fill, filled with lots of good stuff. Actually, yeah. Ikelo, thank you for sharing so openly. Really, that was uh, pretty special. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just really liked uh, the connection with mm -hmm. everybody here and flow that's been going on. So thank you both for that. Thanks. Thanks. I, yeah, I'm I really honored. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I also really enjoyed it and was uh, it was a nice um, was an enjoyable dynamic to be in and nice how we explored some uh, some of each of our experiences and uh, how through our questions and reflections and presence um, we could explore some some interesting topics together and uh, I'm I'm definitely motivated to uh, to yeah to start exploring movement in a very uh, honest way also uh, also in this social isolation also indoors uh, i think there are many ways that when listen when taking some time to listen to yourself and listen to your body um yeah it, it will tell you what what it needs what you want um, what you can do um, mm -hmm. so yeah thank you for that inspiration and thank you for listening. We are aware that this was a very long episode and in the future we'll do our best to uh, keep it a little bit shorter. Um, if you have any questions or suggestions about topics, then please let us know. Also, if you have any critical feedback on how we could improve the podcast in this stage, it's uh, really helpful, all the feedback that we can get. So I wish you a nice couple of weeks until the next time i hope you will be tuning in again until then move honestly and dare to share <laughs>